Hello and welcome to Women Who Self-Care, the podcast that seeks to encourage women and girls to put their health and their ambitions first. My name is Boo and today our guest is Emily Cox. Emily is the co-founder and creative director at Stories Studio, a design studio based in Barcelona. And this is our third episode already. And I can't quite believe it because actually there is an incredible amount going on behind the scenes with women who self-care. So if you're at all intrigued as to what that is, please go onto our website, www.womenwhoselfcare.org to sign up for our mailing list and check out what's going on. But back to our guest, Emily. Emily is so inspiring. And I personally go onto her website to read her newsletter every single Sunday to inspire me to go and strive for my dreams. I mentioned that she was the co-founder and creative director of a design studio and obviously that doesn't just happen overnight so Emily at your very young age how did you become a creative director? (laughs) So I was working as a junior designer in a design agency and the creative director there got headhunted um, to go and work at a huge marketing firm and she wanted to take the whole team across to go and work there with her. Um, so I was invited to make the transition to this bigger marketing firm um, and I looked at the work and it was super corporate and I was just like, no way, like <laughs> how am I going to sit now, like I'm just going to like figure it out, like I think I actually went on holiday to Thailand and I, my, my parents were just like, oh no, like you're supposed to stay at your job until you get another one and I was like, no, 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 I cannot do that. Um, and then while I was away... I got a phone call and this guy was like, oh, we used to do all the web work for Tonic because they had a website of the company that they were just essentially passing the work over to a digital agency. And they were Mm -hmm. like, we want to buy that part of the company. Like, we've seen a lot of your design work. Like, it's very good. And would you potentially, if we buy the company and its name um, and, like, the the current (coughs) database, essentially, will you come and be the creative director and then you can hire people and we can like keep this company alive um so I was like this is very interesting um I went in for a call no we're not call an interview and um I like I was definitely like in negotiation like kind of like okay well if I'm gonna do this then like I want to be able to like design a studio and like these are the kind of people I want to hire so like straight from the beginning I was not kind of being like oh my god yeah like I was like okay play <laughs> cool <laughs> like yeah so then I'd only been had my job for six months before I was like the creative director of a company and um the first job that came in was Um, which had been sold as a previous company was huge it was to design a cafe and I had not done interior design before and I was like oh yeah no it'll be fine I'll figure it out and you (laughs) don't like at the same time being a creative director like learning how to do 3d design on computer doing site visits like just all this stuff and it was like the most difficult first project and then hiring people at the same time and I just think because so early on in my career there were so many obstacles and like things thrown at me and I was like googling like how to be a manager like how to do these things and the majority of people were older than me and that I was managing and that I had been thrown into a situation with I think I like very very quickly like kind of pieced like yeah like I just started to believe in myself because things were going well so like I think from that like you get a confidence in yourself and then yeah it was really really enjoyable (laughs) so saying that you started to believe in yourself because you were presented with opportunities that gave you you know space and time to sort of demonstrate what you're good at has obviously helped with as you say build your confidence um and sort of re-establish yourself as capable so you know not being able to do something sort of being thrown in the deep end you sort of naturally you know rather than panicking or going into the interview thinking ah you know you went in sort of knowing your value already quite a high self-worth I'd say which is a really really essential quality I think especially in business um so have you always been this confident Emily or is it something that has sort of built with time or that you've actively tried to build or how are you so confident basically um actually I think 
during my A-levels, well, I don't think I, I know I did this, I worked at a nightclub and I was like doing the promotion and I was like selling tickets and like flyering on the street and I ended up doing like the face paint um, and like plug nights and I think actually being in that environment for like a couple of years and like, you know, just like having to be kind of like really out there, um, yeah. I think... I remember like thinking oh like I didn't used to be like this loud and then I was like in a group of people like come on like have these tickets go to plug like just being like and I think I did always like party quite a lot and I was like very social and that kind of <laughs> continued through uni and I was just like always drinking and having fun and you know like I think with being quite social and being involved in stuff I think you do end up do you know what I mean? You are kind. You do end up being a bit more out there than if you spend like a lot of time on your own. Like I yeah. think for me, when I actually spend a lot of time on my own, I become a bit more introverted because I think I think about things a lot and I get a bit tangled up in my own thoughts. And I think I've always kind of known that I've thrived in social situations and I've loved talking to people and building relationships with people, and that's always like served me very well. Um, and actually, when I went to my job interview, mm. like, I was super hungover. And I think, like, that in itself, I was just, like, <laughs> I was in a weird mood because I was hungover. Do you know what I mean? I was just, like, oh, God, here I am. Like, okay, yeah. And Connell, who actually works for me now, he was interviewing me. So that's quite... Yeah, he... Yeah, so he was interviewing me, and then when I left, like, he came to work for me. But he's very... Always says that he remembers that they were like, so why do you want this job? And I was like, I don't know if I do. No. <laughs> and uh, because I just was thinking no. at the time, I was like, I don't actually know if I do. Like, this sounds so stressful. Um, and then he emailed me after to be like, you're a breath of fresh air. And I was just thinking... After I can remember thinking like, oh my god, I don't know if that one went. <laughs> like I think I was a bit too much. Yeah. But clearly that honesty has served you really well. You remind me actually of that Rumi quote: "What you seek is seeking you." And if you're not already following Emily's company's Instagram, you should. It's underscore story studio. It's so inspiring and really encapsulates the way that I think Emily lives in that it's really driven by passion and sort of a lust for life. And so I'm wondering if the life you've created has sort of fallen upon your lap, you know, are you just living your dream life? Um, are you living your dream life in the first place? Or did you really meticulously sort of craft this life that you have at the moment? Um, firstly, I absolutely love that quote. Um, I think if you would have asked me that a year ago, I would have been like, I'm so lucky. Um, but now I do think I am really intentional with the decisions that I make now um, and making sure that they are really closely aligned to what I do want to do. And I, I do think most of the time I do wake up and I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm very happy with where I am and... I think you, one of the things that you can do as an entrepreneur is you can always strive for more. Um, and I think it is important to remember mm. that like three, four years ago, this was your dream and now you've achieved it. So to not always just be thinking, okay, it needs to get better. We need to scale more. We need to earn more money. And just looking at what we do have and being like, this was my dream and like I do have it. On you saying, you know, this was your dream three or four years ago and that you've achieved it now, etc. It's quite obvious that you celebrate your successes as well as always striving to progress, etc. And I feel like you have that nice balance of enjoying the moment, but also thinking about the future. Again, like being an entrepreneur or doing what you're doing, there are lots of risks involved, you know, going alone. Anyone, I think, who goes freelance or self-employed, it's kind of risky. But again, it's having that sort of sense of self-awareness and knowing your own capabilities that will push you to succeed. So my question is, what has driven you to forcefully go out and create your, you know, quote unquote, dream life? You know, what has spurred you on to take those risks? I think like to a certain extent like I have I mean in terms of being a risk taker 
definitely a lot of things have been risks and I think people do like in society like parents or relationships I think they naturally do want to try and protect you from like risk because you know if you quit your job and it doesn't go well and then it's hard to find another one which you enjoy as much then you are you know you're risking a part of your happiness but I think it's really 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 important to let your choices reflect your hopes and not your fears and I do very actively make sure that all the choices that I'm making they are reflecting well you know what if it does go right what if I move to Ibiza and actually end up meeting the most amazing people and feel super inspired and it goes well but I think a lot of the people focus on the like well what if it goes wrong and this might sound a bit morbid but like I've always been like very aware of the fact that like I will die one day and you know it's like (laughs) I, I am just kind of like, well, we're only here once. Like, I I do kind of think of things as, like, temporary. Like, when situations, like, go wrong and, like, I think it's an important quality to have as a manager as well. It's not like... Yeah. You, you're like, okay, well, it's already happened. Next, what do we do now? It's, like, solu- solution-based thinking, whereas I can remember when I've been managed before... I've, like, done something, like, wrong and it's been, like, shouted about or just, you know, like, negativity towards it. And I just think, like, things that have already happened, like, I've just always kind of been like, okay, next, there's going to be a solution. And I do think there is, like, a certain sense of naivety, like, in my thought. Like, I I do think, like, okay, well, if somebody built a spaceship and (laughs) travelled to the moon... Of course, I can start a design agency, you know, like, I think, well, why, I think a lot of the times I don't really understand when people are like, oh, well, like, aren't you, like, scared or, like, worried or what? And I'm like, well, no, I'm not doing brain surgery. I'm, like, creating a brand. It's words (laughs) and pictures, you know, like, it's not that difficult. And of course it is, and, but really it's not. Like, I think the, a lot of, the time from kind of being in like a a nine-to-five job and inheriting like parents' worries or society's worries or you kind of, you build a kind of box that you live in. Whereas I think I didn't, like I just kind of knew as soon as I started working with someone else, I was like, ha, 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 this isn't going to work. And then, (laughs) (laughs) do you know, I just knew. I was just like, shut up. And so like, I was like, I know a better way to do it. Like, I very instinctively never, like, I was like that at school. Like, I just used to think about my teachers, like, yeah, well, this is obviously a really stupid line of thought to have, but I was like, (laughs) kind of like, well, what do you know? Why are you not like a scientist then if you're teaching science? Like, I don't know. I just had this kind of thought, which I was just like, hmm. Like, I just wanted to do my own thing. Like, my school reports are terrible. Like, I was super naughty. Um... Like, my poor sister and my brother, like, people say to Phoebe, like, oh, are you Emily Cox's sister? Mm. <laughs> like, I w- like, I was excluded. Like, I just didn't fit. No. No, yeah. <laughs> so, other than being quite naughty at school, and, again, what it's telling me is that right from the beginning, you knew what you want. And whilst, you know, we shouldn't really encourage people to be bad at school... <laughs> We should definitely encourage people listening to themselves. And so I think that goes in line with self-care with regards to sort of protecting, um, you know, who you are and what you like and what you need to recover, you know, when you've had a bad day at work or school and just to keep you ticking over. So are there any particular rituals or self-care things that you do, Emily? Well, I actually like, this is funny, but when we first talked about doing, um, this podcast I was like okay self-care like what do I do and I actually was like googling what's what's the diff like the definition of care um and it said like the provision of what is necessary for the health welfare maintenance and protection and I was thinking the word that stuck out to me the most about that was protection so when I think about like self-care I'm like how am I protecting myself from like essentially like losing the plot because when you are doing a lot 
you actually yeah. like you have to be like okay I don't want to lose my shit because if like <laughs> sometimes yeah. I think when you are running a business you're like oh my god I'm gonna go insane so yeah the things that I do to protect myself in that sense is I think and I've touched on this before with you like I make myself a lot less accessible um yeah. to like my clients like I put boundaries in place now of being like nobody needs to speak to me on a Sunday I'm gonna turn my phone off and I actually do like on a Sunday I'll just be like I turn my phone off for the whole day and I like I see that time as like very sacred for me and I think in the times when I haven't thought that I have time for me that's always the times when I've felt like the worst so I think for me having the non-negotiable kind of sentence in my head of like I have time like and then keeping promises to yourself like for me that's like the most caring thing that I can do and making sure that I am aligned to my purpose in terms of like physical self-care um I do very much like a manicure and a pedicure and to go to the spa. Love it. <laughs> like, to yeah. the point where this is super embarrassing to admit, but I was supposed to be going on holiday in February with my boyfriend to meet him in Marrakesh, and I my nails were, like, all chipped, and I pushed the flight back to an evening flight so I could go and get a manicure because I just didn't <laughs> feel good. And, like... <laughs> And it is just a thing for me. I'm like, I like my nail, my nails, like hands and toes. I just like them to be nice. And I love the place I go to for manicure and pedicure because they're like perfectionists. And I always think like when someone's spending that much time on making that part of me look nice, it makes me want to take care of myself more. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly something to be said for aesthetic beauty. I've interviewed quite a few women now. and They have all said about their nails being important to them I don't feel it with my nails but I definitely feel it with you know aesthetic beauty with regards to spaces so if I'm I go to yoga studios for instance that are really the word is bougie <laughs> because if I'm going there and the place is like a temple it makes me want to look after myself like a temple and like be deserving of that space be deserving of your nails kind of thing and whilst you know it's playing with the idea of self-worth there and you know having to potentially live up to expectations to be able to feel that self-worth I think sometimes it's a matter of choice of how deep you go with that and if something is truly making you feel much better and is sort of psychologically gonna help you feel better then arguably I mean firstly don't think about things too much if they're making you happy I think and it's not harming anybody but equally it totally can be a form of artistic expression and I think that's what Story Studio does really well when I look at the way that you brand products etc it has your dreamlike sepia toned aesthetic to it which sort of really appreciates the simple things in life and is really about the beauty of the object itself the beauty of simplicity and it's like what you're experiencing in your daily life Emily like coming from the heart it's going into your work I may be thinking way too much about this but um no literally I think it's like what you said like that is definitely the message that we want to be putting across and I remember like I think I'm quite big on quotes but like I used to have a screensaver on my phone like after I'd handed my notice in and it was like I will make everything in my life beautiful and that will be my life and I think I can just remember thinking that like I was just like and the beauty like not in terms of just like skin deep and I think that's why I said like it's so important to work with companies that you believe in their mission because I think only like true beauty like it it can't just be surface level it has to be more than that and yeah it, I mean, I do take pride in my appearance, like, I love fashion, like, um, but I do try and buy, like, sustainable fashion now, and I do exercise because, you know, I want to fit into clothes and feel good about myself, like, I, everyone yeah. knows when they put, like, a well-put-together outfit on and, like, they feel, like, well-maintained, like, I find that yeah. easier to do, like, my day and feel confident, and the times when I have, like, not gone to the gym enough or not that like there was an amount you're supposed to go I've neglected exercise and that has directly mm. had 
a negative knock on on like my self confidence. Like I think I'm less likely to like want to go socialize and stuff when I don't take care of myself. And I think literally like in year one of the business, like I, I do think I was not taking care of myself properly. Like I was staying up you know, it's four or five in the morning, like, drinking Red Bull, and then knowing I've got to kind of fly the next morning, and then splashing water in my face, and then being, like, just eating, like, whatever there is at the airport, and then I get, like, tummy ache if I eat, like, loads of croissants and sweets and stuff, like, and then, so, like, I've got to a point with myself now where it's more, like, management of knowing if I do do that, I'm going to feel like shit, so actually what I'm going to do is make sure that I gift myself those little things I need to do like this week we were shooting back to back all day and the next day we had a different shoot and I was like I'm gonna make sure that I can go on a five mile walk this morning because then when I get to the shoot and I know I'm gonna I'm gonna be in the right headspace whereas I literally think this time last year I would have been like oh my god yeah I've got two hours free so I'm gonna sit on my laptop and drink three coffees until I'm like shaking and I feel I've done loads of stuff (laughs) And then I'm like, mm, that's not good. So I think the biggest learning for me is like taking care of yourself is productive because then you have your brain, it it can think on like a higher level. And I remember the super important thing for me, like ritual wise, which I actually haven't mentioned, is when I've got loads of stuff going on, I will just sit when I wake up and I'll just write everything that I'm thinking down, like just kind of like brain dump, like my brain's not a hard drive, like literally just write down everything I'm worried about. And then I feel like the rest of the day, like I can process like on a higher level Mm. because at least someone's heard me, even if it's a piece of paper. Oh my God, that's so profound. (laughs) That's so good. My brain is not a hard drive. It's not. I love how you just keep it really real. And again, you're bringing it back to the simple things. You know, self-care doesn't have to be ridiculous, does it? It can literally just be a pen and paper. And I think almost, almost everyone has access to that. In addition to your self-care and your stories work, where you're the creative director, you have another branch of stories studio called Seasons. Can you tell us about Seasons? Because this is like a passion project almost, isn't it? Yeah, so um, Seasons, um, the philosophy behind it was um, that Seasons are a reminder that we are just on this planet and it's changing and the connection to nature and I think sometimes when you get so caught up in like everyday life that you you do forget that like okay we're on this huge big blue planet that's like spinning around a ball of fire like it is crazy so that was supposed to be a bit of a name that grounded us to what we were actually doing on this planet (laughs) um and Back in January, um, we made a publication which celebrated spring and we looked at spring in terms of what I meant for business, like starting new things, um, spring in like what I meant for fashion um, and then it got to summer and um, we were like, okay, all our shoots got pushed back massively. We're not going to be able to have a publication in time for summer. Like, the world's a different place. Um, so we've been putting together a hardback book, um, which is nearly ready, and it's about our life um, in the summer, be, having spent three summers on the Mediterranean. Um, and that's, like, just lots of kind of, like, sweet musing but like the idea of it was like you deserve a love that always feels like summer and this has been a really like beautiful poetic project to work on and that we're getting it printed um locally and we're going to be selling it so the thing of having a passion project for me was really important um mainly because we work on so many different like bringing out making our clients dreams come true and I love doing that but I mean the idea of stories like for me at university I did illustrated children's books like I love print I worry that we consume too much digital media um, and I definitely wanted a way that people could 
enjoy stories but in a physical way that they would have a book at home that they could look to for inspiration that these sentences and photos that we've taken would like make like people have said a lot when they've seen our work like oh it inspires me but I don't want people to just be inspired like online for me like having a collection of like art books is something that I always like to go to and flick through because I'm like I don't want a crazy amount of screen time like I think having points of references which are physical um is really important and as our company grows is something that I would definitely like to continue to make would be books about different aspects of the life and now every single Sunday I'm putting time aside to write about like a Sunday that I've had or done and I want to put together a year of Sundays so it's just basically a place where we can publish our own experiences of life in a very seasonal way um, and celebrate those aspects of life like celebrate summer like celebrate spring celebrate autumn celebrate winter like I think the more we tune into those different seasons and like the way the world's changing the less we like become insular and just be focusing on like ourselves. and I do think with the globalization and you know being able to drop into any city mm. anywhere and go to like McDonald's or Coast City like that's what we want to get away from like I think if we that's kind of going off tangent but that for me was what I was thinking is that we do need to be like tuned into like seasonal eating or like what's special about that place and authentic about that place and rather than just kind of just this like sea of kind of like popular culture which doesn't seem to change that much over the year but actually it should because we should be in tune with the world around us more does that make sense (laughs) yeah yeah totally totally and actually your sort of awareness of the world around you as you say it has really influenced not only who you work with but how you work you know your influence you want to have etc hasn't it so where has that ambition come from to be an ethical or sustainable company is everything you do sustainable or ethical actually it's like a bit of a core family value that we want to be I mean, my mum and dad always gave money to Greenpeace and, like, love being outdoors, so I think everyone's kind of gravitated towards a point where it's been like, okay, no, we need to take care of the planet. Is everybody you work for sustainable and ethical? Yeah, and also a really important point is it's not just about the environment also, like, working with socially conscious companies that they understand, like, how much their workers are being paid, like, where fabrics come from, like... There's so many points to having a company which is, like, ethical and sustainable and, you know, not greenwashing, doing things because, like, it genuinely is a good thing to do. And um, one of the things which I, like, do worry about and have had a bit of an internal conflict about before is, like, is this really self-indulgent, like, working on, like, all these beautiful projects and a lot of what stories does do like it is about beauty and desirability and you know these products we're working on they aren't accessible to everyone like very like expensive fashion and perfume and like jewelry that you know it's it is for a a wealthy audience like there's no deniability in that um Mm. and I think I have worried before like am I doing enough to help the more vulnerable people in society and like sometimes I've thought like well to be truly successful you do need to be a little bit selfish because you kind of have to believe that your ideas are super important and that's more important than doing other things and that that for me has sometimes been like worry like why is it so important that like I have to publish this magazine or book or do this beautiful project when there are people starving and I think that has been a worry Mm. And I have the way that I've made peace with that more is to make sure that the company, the the companies that you are working with, make sure that you're influencing the people who are involved in that production and the packaging that's made. And you can have like a huge influence on a company, um, in that way, and it does serve people in that way. 
it's just the same with people, isn't it? You know, nobody can do everything. You cannot be perfect. It's the same with a company. As much as we would love to, and we can try, we can't do it all. So making, yeah, those small things like sending your packaging out, making sure that's recyclable, all go a long way. So with regards to running your company, you direct Story Studio with Mel, your co-founder, and also, other than one man, you have a pretty much all-female team. So I'm wondering what your experience is of working with a predominantly female team, as opposed to before working with men. And within the design industry, I'm presuming there is, but I have no idea, did you experience any sort of sexism, or, you know, why did you choose to work with all women, really? I mean... I would say previously, before I worked for myself, I did Mm. definitely have more of the kind of, well, yeah, sexist comments and stuff like people attributing like your success or like a sale that you made within the company to like being because it was, you were like good looking or making comment, like very appearance-based comments. And I think like that was part of the reason why I did kind of know that I wanted to work for myself was because I just, I didn't want to tolerate it on any level. And Mm. even like my dad isn't a sexist person at all, but when I was like, oh, I will like want to work for myself, like my dad was like, oh yeah, well you seem to like have a good deal there. Like, can't you like um, try and like work for them and get shares from their company? Like, like, seeing the value and being under kind of a male-led company and like the safety and kind of like well men are good at getting money in and I think there is definitely I think sometimes we don't male clients probably would be more comfortable with going with like a male-led agency and I think that is why we do end up working on so many female-owned businesses but like a couple more recently we have taken on a couple of male clients but I would say that they wouldn't have gone with us at the beginning it's more now because we have built a bit of a reputation and we have good case studies and that it would become a bit more gender neutral but it would be um definitely because I do know that well, this sounds bad to say, but I do feel like women do need a bit more hand hand holding in a project, and they are a bit more sensitive and like worried about things going wrong. I probably mm. feel like I am serving women better if I can be working alongside them and be like, "Don't doubt yourself." You know, like part of the work that I do in a project will be consulting and giving them ideas and helping them through the project I think I feel better about a project knowing that would have like helped instill some confidence in them and make sure it's success success than work with someone who already is like a success and thinks they're going to be anyway I mean of course it's more rewarding Mm. and recognizing that women you know you said need more hand-holding it's not I mean there's a million reasons why that is and it could just be the people we've worked with etc but let's just take it as is um you know, it kind of is just recognising the different ways in which women may work. It's not necessarily bad. And also, being worried for the future is kind of you future planning, you know, predicting what will happen, looking at outcomes and scenarios and not just going for it sometimes can be a huge asset. But equally, I guess it could sometimes hold business back. It could be frustrating. Um, And, you know, is this down to low self-confidence, as you said? Or, you know, again, is it to do with self-worth and these things that we need to work with with women to improve their self-worth and confidence. So staying on the topic of women and women leading, I want to talk about your quite special relationship you have with your co-founder, Mel, because it appears to be so close, you know, as close as sisters, really bonding. And I personally don't think that the whole women being catty etc is a thing I think it's something that's been made up to sort of not allow women to progress if I'm honest um but you know that's just because I haven't really experienced it in in my in my old age (laughs) but I'm wondering how did you form such a close bond together and also 
found Story Studio together. I met Melissa at university and um, she was doing business um, and accounts and international fashion, I think. And I was doing illustration. Um, I was actually wanting to do children's book illustration at that point, but I ended up getting a lot more commercial with my storytelling. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we were... In just to kind of touch, because I think this is quite important to, like, why we have quite a harmonious relationship, we were never trying to do the same thing. So mm. after university, like, we just had amazing new years, drunk, all the fun, all that stuff. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> after uni, um, Melissa went on. She was a business analyst um, for a prevention company, and I was, yeah, I went straight into a creative role. Um, and then Melissa had, had enough of the businessy side of things. Um, she went to go and work for a fashion brand um, in Ibiza, um, which was at the point that I was like, okay, I'll quit my job and move to Ibiza with you. We both broke up with our boyfriends. It was very much like, bye, England. In the city or something. It was like that. It was like, let's go and start a new life and live like on an island. And uh, that is actually exactly what we did. Um, And I think like we'd always got on like very well at uni, but when we when we started living with each other in Ibiza, we like went out for dinner and we were just kind of like, oh, we really get on. Like even though we'd grown up a bit, and Melissa was doing a lot of photo shoots on the island, and I was just doing like freelance graphic design bits like setting up the company for like what it needed to be and then it was like a month or two in where we kind of said like we need to make this an agency we like need to do it together at this Mm -hmm. point I'd never done professional photography I was only ever doing graphic design in my previous agency so Mm -hmm. we did like a fake photo shoot together um we bought loads of jewellery from Mango. We, like, waited for the sun to set. We, like, shot this pretend campaign. We made um, a spreadsheet um, with loads of different jewellery brands in. We reached out to them all. A couple of big brands got back to us. They sent their product out. We started doing paid work together. And then by the end of the summer, um, Melissa had quit her job. And it, that was kind of full speed ahead. We were like, okay, we need to, like, move to a city all the boxes and packages are getting lost. Our Wi-Fi hardly ever works. We live inside like a 500-year-old castle. The postman can't find a house. This shit's crazy. <laughs> like, let's move to Barcelona. Um, and that is kind of just very much what I did. Like, the ball just started rolling. Like, people were like, okay, you're actually good. Like, we want to do more. And we are like, okay, we need to hire. Like, it was very fluid. But we spent all of our time working at the beginning. Like... Mm a lot and we were just kind of like happy to at that point you know it felt very exciting that these things were happening I can imagine I mean just listening to it sounds really exciting sounds really kind of nerve-wracking as well I see you Emily as someone who's really successful because you're living your passion and for me that is what success is I'm wondering to you you know, the role of women has changed so much really recently. What is a successful woman in your eyes? I think a a successful woman is really about being whoever that person wants to be. And I think Mm. for me, purpose, having a purpose which you feel aligned to is the truest form of success because I think once you have something which you just feel it, is like that is what you're supposed to do I think like everything after comes that and I remember seeing a quote on Pinterest um and it said fine like I hope you find a love you don't question and I think I didn't see that in terms of like a romantic love but like for me it was like a love of life and what I wanted to do and I don't question what I do now and I think when I was at school like I was kind of questioning that and when I was in my job I was kind of questioning everything and I think when you I never think oh is this like what I should be doing I'm just like Mm. and I think as well because my job role like 
isn't defined. Like earlier this week, like I was traveling to like go and do photography but and videography but I ended up doing a lot of like arranging food on the shoot and like moving things around and and then the other day I could be doing writing and then the other day like I'm looking at strategy for something then I'm advising on packaging options how could I ever think is this the right thing I'm supposed to be doing because at each day I'm just being part of a project and the projects that we're doing are varying so I would say it is just kind of, it's waking up, it's being involved in what you're supposed to do. Like, I'm never like, oh, what am I supposed to be doing today? I'm like, mm. oh, God, okay, I've got to be doing that. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, not being passive. It's about being driven, finding your ambitions, going for it just relentlessly. Yeah, having that love, that thirst for life. But equally, you know, you sound like you're really going with the flow, the way that you you did that shoot and actually you ended up you know, organising the way that the food looked, etc., food styling, and just being, having that ability to sort of adapt and kind of be present, really, Yogi Emily. <laughs> so on that note of presence and being part of the sort of flow of life, I have to ask you about your relationship with food, Emily. And I know, talking to a woman, you know, and then talking about food, I roll. <laughs> But you are somebody who I have looked at for influence with regards to enjoying food for pleasure, not thinking about it too much. Because I think, sadly, the reality is most women have a relationship with food or at least did when they were younger and still harbour some things around it. I see you knocking back the champagne and wine, (laughs) eating pasta, pasta, croissants and just enjoying it and it's so refreshing and lovely to see without a sort of oh being naughty you know so have you always had a good relationship with food or how have you come to have this relationship with food that seems to be so pleasant and relaxed and social I mean I haven't always had like an amazing relationship with food I definitely think when I was working in an office um I was like calorie counting more like I can remember like going out for lunch and like picking what I was getting from like Tesco's based on how many calories it had um and then Mm. I was definitely more prone to like diet culture when I was living in England um Mm. when I moved to Ibiza I honestly think I was so more stressed out about not kind of like failing and making a business work like and all these other things that that kind of like flew off my radar um and then just really really enjoyed eating out um and then one of the things I've kind of which really helps me like regulate like any guilt or anything that I have around food and it feels like really natural to me is to intermittent fast so to not have breakfast um and then have my first meal um at lunchtime but always and I I guess like it's it sounds like a pretty indulgent thing to say but you know it is the truth like I do eat out almost every day um and for me and Melissa it's always kind of been like okay like we work really hard like in the day and then yeah. And and at night, like, we've always gone out for a glass of wine and a meal. I don't think we snack that much because I think we really, like, enjoy going out for pasta and wine and food and we feel very fulfilled by that meal that and eating what we want. That, it, that for me, is, like, when I feel happiest, like, with the food. And I, we walk everywhere. So, like, and the yeah. whole time I've lived in Barcelona, I've never been on the metro. Like, oh, I walk everywhere. And, um, like, in terms of things that I like to do, like, I love health food as well. Like, I love to go and have, like, an acai bowl for my first meal of the day and, like, walk to go and have it. Like, but I also, and I love to, like, have a turmeric latte before I go to bed. Like, I like to nourish my body. And I like eating at restaurants which have, like... 
good options and I, it's not like oh yeah I'll just go out and like have a burger and chips like I am a vegetarian I like I've never eaten meat um when I lived abroad like I started eating like seafood but like that's about it so I think I do feel like I live within parameters like it's not ridiculously indulgent all the time but definitely like my evening meal every night this week when we've been away traveling like we've been dining out with a client and I have just been like yeah I'm gonna get the main that one and I'm gonna wash it down with wine like I'm not having three bottles of wine and like not getting up the next day like maybe I was doing that year one but (laughs) now I do feel a lot more balanced with like I don't feel the guilt for indulging in food because I'm because I think when you choose what you want, you do have a satisfaction for it and you do savour it. Like, when you're sitting down, like, dining at a restaurant, like, your meal can go on for a while, whereas probably, like, if I'm sat at home, like, and I definitely used to do this, be like, oh, I've had something, I'll be like, I'm bored, I'll have more. Like, I'm bored, I'll have more. <laughs> yes. Like, there is actually a word in Japanese. I'm going to butcher this saying but it's something like kuchi shibishi or something but it means eating when your when your mouth is lonely <laughs> like that is I think loads of us do that and I think it's just about recognizing when you're eating when your mouth is lonely and when you're eating when you're actually hungry or when you're eating when you're with friends and I think that shouldn't be thought about as a sort of separate thing or a treat like it is really important for social bonding to eat with people it's just such a human thing I think often we don't think in the way that our maybe European counterparts do you know being in the UK if I'm speaking here and seeing food not just as fuel or something to sort of you know bide away the hunger but as an occasion to socialize with people and to again extract pleasure from life but okay 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 it can't all be perfect because when I'm listening to you I'm thinking Emily god she's got it all together etc and you know probably as well as I do that there is sometimes it feels like such a burden of pressure of societal expectations for women you know the one main thing is children for instance and you know that's always seems to be in conversation about your with your career etc and so do you feel as though you know you have it together etc all the time you feel like your life is balanced or are there times when you know yeah you feel that pressure yeah definitely I think for me the like when I think about like the main the core main things for me like what I think when you say you have three different homes as like your body, like your personal home and then like the world, I think like it is really hard to like look after like your body, like not create like a total like mess at home. Like there are, so, there's so many balancing acts and sometimes like I think when you focus on one of them too much, you can't look after the other things as well. So for me like when I've concentrated on like work too much like and then I've I've got more out of shape because I've not been like going to like the gym as much or I've not been like prioritizing like my own health because I've been so focused on work but then there's other times where it was like I got a bit addicted to going to the gym well not really. <laughs> and then I, I like I felt like I wasn't finishing my work as much because I was like super into working out and then I think like because my brain is like quite chaotic like I feel like I jump from one thing to another thing to another thing like I can be very messy as well so like for me it's like very important to like have a cleaner like (laughs) do you know like you just start to realize the things that you need to have and I think one of the things which is really important and it all we really have to decide to do with like our one life is like how we spend our time and then I think the balance of that will like always shift it's definitely not always like I feel like I'm ticking all the boxes at work or normally when I am it's I'm not ticking all the boxes with looking after myself or when I'm really looking after me like maybe that's slipping a bit like it's like a pendulum and I think life like it ebbs and it flows and I think you do kind of have to have that acceptance with like okay yeah 
maybe we didn't make as much money as we could have this month because actually like I just wanted to work loads on my passion project and you know I just spent loads of time walking around and I didn't close all those sales I could have but at the end of the day next month you know I'll be more focused on that and I think to say that I have a balance all the time will be an absolute lie like I (laughs) like there are times where I'm just like why are you so crazy that like you do this and you do that and I think I, I I do get very tangled up in like my own world and what's important and I don't think I watch the news and I'm like extremely kind of privileged in a sense that I don't need to keep up with everything that's going on because in a way I'm kind of in this self sufficient bubble in a way which hasn't been super harmed by recent events and obviously there's been like obstacles and like challenges but like I haven't felt hopeless in the way that some people have and so I think I'm extremely privileged in that sense and I think if you do have a lot more to worry about it is a lot harder to achieve a lot of different things because like how are you how are you supposed to exactly Emily, thank you so much. And listeners, that is the end of our episode today with Emily Cox. I have loved it and enjoyed it so much. And I am going to put on the next bit now where our internet completely drops and the sound is awful because I think it just encapsulates working from home, trying to make things work and the internet just failing us. It keeps us connected, but oh boy, is it so annoying. But next week we have the amazing amazing silver medalist olympic silver medalist polly swan where we talk about her training how she got into rowing the position of female athletes in this world right now and also just general womeny topics and she's just so much fun and she's so funny honestly i i loved it anyway here's the ending to mine and m's podcast episode together and the awful internet so i hope you enjoyed this week's podcast and see you again soon and honestly i do sometimes when i feel a little bit like i want to look after myself i do go onto your page and then i look at be like oh yes look work towards your goals boo so thank you i guess <laughs> and um that makes me want to cry. <laughs> uh, but it's the truth. It's, it's totally true. Um, I, I know you're so busy. So we'll thank you so, so, so much, Emily, for coming on the podcast. I hope everyone listening has really enjoyed it. Um, I certainly have. and really want to crack on with my own business stuff now. <laughs> so thank you so much, Emily. Damn, and the internet's oh. bloody gone again. Ah! <laughs> I can't say. Okay, we'll leave it there. Sorry. No, it's mine. It's mine. It's because everyone's at home today. I mean, a classic when you're recording. Everyone's at home. Um, thank you so much.